you know, I, I hear people say, you know, man, the church just wants my money. The church only wants about, uh, talks about money. It's, all, it's all, all about money. And really this message is not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. But you say all these kind of things and blame other people, blame the church when really, man, you got a heart of greed. You've got a heart that just loves money. Really, you don't give because you don't trust God. And so today, instead of deflecting or blaming other people or making excuses, would you just be... Welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelive.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. Glad you're here. My name is Jeremy, uh, one of the pastors here. If we have not yet met, I would love to meet you in the ministry mall after the service right now. If you have a Bible, open those up. Meet me in 1 Timothy chapter 6, towards the back of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have you covered. Raise your hand. We will get a Bible to you. Uh, also want to give a shout out to my friends in the loft. Uh, great seeing you guys up there. Kylie, great job leading worship. Awesome to see what God's doing in that community upstairs. Grab your uh, Bibles, your bulletin notes. Great way to track with us. We are in a series titled All About the Heart. And really this message, it is a money, generosity, stuff message series. But deeper than that, it's about the heart. And last week, Pastor Chad did a great job kicking off the series, uh, talking about a heart that's humble. And we will always struggle to be generous if we don't understand that everything we have, everything we are, not only comes from God, but it belongs to God. Your very life belongs to God. Your spouse belongs to God. Your kids belong to God. The house that you live in belongs to God. The clothes that you're wearing belongs to God. I can go on and on and on. Everything belongs to God because you will fall into one of two camps. You will fall into a camp of grace and gratitude where you are overwhelmed by the grace of God and you see and know and believe and you live a lifestyle that reflects that everything you have, everything you are, ultimately comes from God or belongs to God and belongs to God. Or you fall into the other camp that, that our culture has and that's entitlement. No, I've earned this. I deserve this. I've worked hard. I've saved. I've enti I'm entitled to whatever. And if you live a life of entitlement, you will always struggle to give and you will always struggle with generosity. So this service, uh, sermon series that we're doing, it's, it's not about what I want from you. It's about what I want for you. This, this is a sermon series that people look back on. And, and, and I often get the most thanks from this series because people realize, man, when I apply God's word about money, possessions to my life, I experience a peace and freedom that I've never had. Because for so many Christians, they don't have a grip on money, money has a grip on them. They're not in control of money, money is in control of them. So we're gonna talk about some difficult things today. And talking about money, I think is hard for a lot of people to hear because a lot of people know that there's pastors and there's ministries where, where it is all about money. 
It's not about people, it's, it's, it's about money. And so there's been a lot of people, a lot of Christians that have been hurt by religious organizations and pastors in the past, but also there are a lot of pastors that don't wanna talk about this uh, message because they, they don't want to offend people. So let me just share this with you. Be prepared to get offended, all right? I love talking about this. Uh, in fact, kind of tap the person's toes next to you just for a second. If there's somebody next to you, just tap their toe because you're gonna get your shoes stepped on today. You're gonna get your feet stepped on today, all right? Now, now with that said, already I've told the person, you to tell the person next to you that they look good. I've to told you to tap somebody's foot. Some of you single people are going home and gonna say, hey, I think the person next to me likes me at church. And somebody's gonna say, why? Because they told me I look really good and they were playing footsies with me during the service. All right, I got your back, all right? Just saying. Um, you know, the, the key to all of this, before we jump into this, it's, it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And boy, if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that's my greatest prayer for you, to understand that the God of this world, he doesn't need you. He doesn't need your stuff, but he wants you. And that's why he sent Jesus to the cross in your place for your sin so that he could do what you can't do yourself. That's deal with the sin issue in your life, that one area of your life that separates you from God, that you are incapable of dealing with, God sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place for your sins so that you can have life and life to the full, so that you can be forgiven, that you can be free, that you can have a brand new life. Because here's the reality, religion transforms us and changes us from the outside in. Relationship changes us from the inside out. Because it's all about the heart. Don't miss that. It's all about the heart. God is a heart God. He's about changing our hearts, about transforming our hearts. He gives us brand new hearts. He redirects our hearts. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a heart that is honest, a heart that's honest with God, a heart that's ultimately honest with ourselves. And here in 1 Timothy, Paul's talking to Timothy and he's telling him, hey, you know what? There's so many pastors, there's so many religious leaders that see uh godliness as a means to financial gain. And he's gonna say, it's not about financial gain that's ultimately gain. There's a different kind of gain in life. And this is what he says. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. We're a Bible teaching, Bible believing church and our standing is a way of simply just honoring God's word. Paul says in verse six of chapter six, first Timothy he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Heavenly Father, God, would you perform heart surgery in our lives today? God, that we would be not only humble, but that we would be honest with you and with ourselves. God, I pray for your help that I would proclaim your word with great passion, great boldness, great compassion. Have your way in our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Again, grab your message notes out. 
And today what we're talking about, we're talking about really contentment and a, a love of money. And, and here's the temptation for so many people that go to church, that are part of church, uh, that attend church. Instead of being honest with ourselves and looking at our own hearts, what do we do? We, we try to analyze the hearts of other people. And we make so many assumptions about other people and their motivation, which we don't know. We just think that because they have a nice house, a nice car, whatever, that they love money. The amount of money you have has nothing to do with how much you love it. You can be a very rich person and at the same time be very generous and not love money. You can be very poor and be greedy and a lover of money. So avoid the temptation today of listening to this message and thinking, oh, I wish Aunt Margaret was here, or hey, I hope my, my spouse is listening right now. No, this is about your heart and being honest before God. The other temptation is to blame other people and blame the church when there's really issues going on in our own hearts and lives. You know, I, I hear people say, you know, man, the church just wants my money. The church only wants about, uh, talks about money. It's, all, it's all, all about money. And really this message is not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. But you say all these kind of things and blame other people, blame the church when really, man, you got a heart of greed. You've got a heart that just loves money. Really, you don't give because you don't trust God. And so today, instead of deflecting or blaming other people or making excuses, would you just be honest before God about your own heart and where it comes to money and watch what God does? Two points today in the message today. Uh, the, the first one, if you're taking notes, is Paul wants us to pursue godliness and contentment. Godliness and contentment, now why? He says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain does not come through how much stuff you have, how much money you have, great gain comes from living a life of godliness. Now, what is godliness? Godliness simply defined is godlikeness. The goal of the Christian life is to become as much like God as we possibly can. Now, here's where our culture gets it wrong. So many people think, man, to be a Christian, I just want to not go to hell. In other words, I want Jesus to be my savior, but I do not want him to be my Lord. Friends, that is not what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means that Jesus is not just our savior, but he is our Lord. And what does that mean? If we see him as, as our Lord, he died for us, what do we get to do? We get to die for him. Which means your life is no longer about what your wants, your passions, your desires. It's all about Jesus's wants. Jesus's passions, Jesus's desires. Why? Because he is not just your savior, he is your Lord, he is your master, he is your authority, which means where Jesus wants you to go, you're gonna go. Where Jesus wants you to do, you're gonna do. What he wants you to say, you're gonna say. What he wants you to give, you're gonna give. Why? Because he is not just your get out of hell free card. He is your master who has the ultimate authority of your life. And until you see him that way, you will always struggle to be generous. Godliness, uh, or sorry, uh, uh, pursue godliness and contentment. Uh, contentment, what, what does it mean to be content? Uh, simply believing that God's purpose and provision are sufficient in every single area of life. And now this is what Paul says in this, this passage. No, notice what he says. He says, first of all, godliness with contentment is great what gain? You want great gain in life? It's not through money, it's not through possessions, it's not through finances, it's through godliness. 
Why? Because money in the world will promise you the things that only Jesus Christ can provide. The world will promise you fulfillment. The money will promise you contentment. It will promise you identity. It will promise you satisfaction. No, only Jesus can promise you those things. Why? Because our world will tell you, you just need a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Um, so how do we do this? Uh, the first thing that we need to do is understand we need an eternal perspective. You brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. It was Job that said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. It was Solomon that said, as he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return. In other words, all of our lives we work so hard for all this money, all this stuff, we cannot take anything with it. You've probably heard it said that you will not find a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You can't take any of it. You have to be eternal minded. Now, how many of you, by the show of a raise of hand, how many of you are homebodies? In other words, you just like to be at home in your jammies. Come on, raise your hand. Good, like nine of you. How many of you are sitting next to somebody that's a homebody? Raise your hand. Oh, a lot more hands just went up. <laughs> My daughter, Hallie, just turned 13. I asked her, hey, where do you want to go for di to, to dinner? For your birthday on Thursday, she said, I want mis compadres, refried beans, but I want to eat it at home. I'm like, that's my girl right there. My wife is a homebody. My son is a homebody. We, we love being at home. Uh, my mother-in-law is a homebody. In fact, she'll come to our house from Elk Grove, be hanging out for like a half hour, talk to my father-in-law. John, you ready to go home? I'm like, what? You just got here. Why? She loves to be at home. Here's the point, don't miss this. As followers of Jesus Christ, this earth, it's not our home. We are longing to be in heaven, longing to be with Jesus because we are foreigners, we are aliens here on this earth. This is not our home. And, and when we understand that, man, it's not a problem to be generous. No, to be generous is our passion because we can't take anything with us. But, but the culture will say, man, you, you've got to have just a little bit more. You're not content unless you have X, Y, Z. That's why Super Bowl commercials, they're millions of dollars. Why? Because you're watching the game and all of a sudden a commercial comes up and unless you go out right now and get chicken wings, you will not be satisfied. Unless you go out and buy Coca-Cola right now, you will not be satisfied. Unless you go get a hot pizza from Pizza Hut right now, you will not be satisfied. And you know what's even worse? Social media. November. I was looking at some nice kitchen wives. Or not kitchen wives, that would be weird. <laughs> Can we cut that? Can we edit that? I'm gonna get fired. Kitchen knives, all right? Okay, let's rewind that. In November, I was looking at kitchen knives. We can delete that out of the message. Um, because my wife and I have been married for 22 years and she always gets those cheap ghetto knives where you cut something and the knife like breaks off in your food. You know, I'm like eating and like, like, are you trying to kill me, sweetheart? What happened? So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get some Japanese knives uh, for my wife. I wanna get some nice knives, okay? Um, and so I'm, I'm hopping on, you know, looking at some, I see some for 80% off. I'm like, man, these look good. I'm like, I'm not gonna be a compulsive spender. Usually if there's a bigger purchase, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait, they're like 150 bucks on sale from like 600. Well, I go hop on Facebook, first advertisement I see, guess what it's for? 
those very same Japanese knives. I'm like, I'm not gonna look at Facebook, I'm gonna hop on Instagram. Hello, same exact advertisement. Here's the crazy thing, I end up buying them a couple days later, but for a couple months later, guess what advertisement I keep seeing? It's knives, not any knives, those knives. Because our culture will say, unless you have this, you will not be happy. So I was very intentional to buy those knives for my wife. How, how do you know if you're not content? Well, if you are looking out front of your door multiple times for Amazon packages and you have no idea what you even purchased <laughs> and the driver greets you by first name basis, Maybe a hint of lack of contentment, all right? Don't be elbowing the person next to you. Well, I'm just, just throwing that out there. It could be a small chance of lack of contentment. Now, how do you know if you do have a heavenly perspective? How, how do you know if you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track? I think a couple things that your life is going to be free from. You're going to be free from greed, which the Bible calls as self-indulgence. In, in other words, you don't need a bunch of stuff to be satisfied, to, to be fulfilled. You're, you're good. But also, your life is not going to have its happiness be based upon outward circumstances. In other words, your happiness is not based upon the kind of house you have, the kind of car you have, what kind of clothes you wear. It's not based upon the outside. Why? Because true contentment is connected with godliness, which only takes place on the inside. Godliness with contentment is great gain because this is what he said, if we have food and we have clothing, the basic necessities of life, with this we will be content. You know, I was with uh, Ed, Ed Kelly. Um, used to be on staff here, still comes and teaches every once in a while. We were at Red Robin a couple weeks ago. And uh, the, the waiter had a one earbud in, he lost the other one. Ed asked, why did you lose it? He said, I don't have a bag to put it in. He's like, well, what kind of a bag did you used to have? He's like, you know, kind of like a, 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 a a bag and it's like, I got an extra one for you. I'm, I'm gonna have my assistant bring it right now. He's like, no, you don't need to do that, I wanna pay you. He's like, no, Goes, has the assistant bring it over to Red Robin because that's his hangout place and uh, gives it to this waiter and he's blown away. After that, he invites him to church. And here's what he realizes is that stuff, it doesn't matter. Stuff is an opportunity not just to bless people but reach people with the kingdom of God. Say, hey, you as a person are more important than the things that I own. Now, now, how do we grow in this area of contentment? In your notes, this is what we do. Pray for contentment. Just pray. God, would you, would, you, would you allow me to be a content person? How do you do that? You focus on what you have and not what you don't have. Again, you have everything that you need in this life in Christ Jesus. If you really struggle with that, here's something you can do on a real practical basis. Every day, get up in the morning and write down 10 things that you have that you're thankful for. Man, right now, I'm thankful I've got my, my fingers and my toes. I'm thankful I got a relationship with Jesus. I'm thankful that I've got an amazing wife. I'm thankful I have got three kids, fourth on the way, hello. I'm thankful for all these things, right? Just watch yourself because your focus will begin to change on not what you don't have, but what you have. You wanna really grow in contentment? Take this challenge, for seven days, don't buy anything from Amazon. Oh, it just got real up in here. You're like, ah, no problem at all. All right, the month, of, the month of March, don't buy anything off Amazon. 
I'm not saying you have to, but I'm saying, man, if, if contentment is not something you have and you are discontent and you find yourself just buying stuff to buy stuff, what would it look like you, for you to not be a compulsive spender and say, if there's something I really want, I'm not going to buy anything for, for 48 hours? Again, it's all about the heart. Now, now, let me just clarify something. I'm talking about, like, things that you want. I'm not talking about bare necessities. A lady left last night and said, yeah, Pastor Jeremy said I can't buy anything for myself for seven, seven days. I'm like, no, you're going to starve and die. That's not what I was saying, all right? But, but pray for contentment. This is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, 13. He has this, this verse, I can do all things. It's already underlined, but I want to underline it again. I can do all things through him, speaking of Christ, who strengthens me. Now, now a lot of us have heard that verse before. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's the question, what's the context? Context is that Paul was in prison. Paul, Paul being in prison for a couple years, there were a couple seasons where he had very little food, water, the necessities of life until this financial gift from the church in Philippi came to him. And this is what he said. He said, writing in prison, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, writing from prison, a heart, an attitude that said, I'm good. Why? He had Jesus. Contentment is not based upon our external circumstances. He goes on and says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Context is contentment. Notice this next verse. This next verse in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Our desires literally begin to change. The first thing, pursue godliness and contentment. Number two in your notes is flee from the love of money. Run from it. Paul says that in verse 11, run from these things and pursue godliness and righteousness and all these other things. Well, how do you know if you love money? Again, don't think about your neighbor, think about your own heart. Well, if you never have enough, you might love money. If you live beyond your means, if you've forgotten the source, which is Jesus Christ, if you just want to show off, if you're tempted to compromise or sin, if you have a divided heart, if you always have to work overtime, if you're always consumed with getting a raise, if you just want a little bit more, and then you justify it, say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not sinning, I'm, I'm not going out and breaking the law and doing all these things, but at the same time, you're not putting Jesus first, you're not putting your spouse first, you're not putting your kids first, and you're not putting your church first. Maybe you have a little bit of a love of money. Now, some of you might be thinking, boy, you're going to probably be asking us to make a commitment to give in a little bit. Absolutely. And in two weeks, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to serve. Earlier this year, I asked you to get involved in life groups and community groups. Here's why. There are certain things in the Christian life where I believe if you're committed to them, you will be healthy, healthy people grow. There are so many other churches in the Central Valley where it is easier to be a part of. I don't want you to do what's easy as a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to be healthy as a follower of Jesus Christ. This isn't what I want from you. This is all about what I want for you. It's all about the heart. Don't miss that. So, so what do we do? We flee from the love 
of money, does that mean that we cannot have any things that we enjoy? No, later in this passage, Paul says that God richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Don't miss this. It's all about your heart. Like, do you love money? Does money have a grip on you or do you have a grip on money? See, it has nothing to do with how much money you have either. For some people, you can have not, next to nothing. Again, you can love money. Some people are rich. They love money. Some people are rich. They don't love money. But, but here's the reality, and this is what he talks about in this next passage. He puts it this way. He, he says, but those who desire to be rich, there's nothing wrong with being rich. Don't miss that. It's, it's those who desire to be rich. Fall into temptation. A snare. What's the temptation? I always want more. I always want more. Why? Because money will not satisfy. I always just want a little bit more. It's a trap. It's what Satan uses to trap us. Say, if you just have a little bit more, then you're going to be happy. Why? Because then our attention is not on Jesus. Our attention is on money. We cannot have a divided heart. Jesus said you will either love God or you will love money. You cannot have two masters. I love that. It's a snare. It's like, it's like an animal getting trapped in something. Money's the lure. I think about a mouse. You want to trap a mouse? Put a little piece of cheese out and watch it fall into that trap. For me, my, my dog, Maggie, the golden doodle, I showed a picture of that lovely, evil, wicked dog a couple weeks ago. She's always stealing clothes. If I want those clothes back, what do I trap her with? Food. I will say, Maggie, you want a little treat? She will drop the clothes, come running to me. For us, the trap, a lot of us, it's money or possessions. Satan will dangle something in front of us, take our eyes and our focus off Jesus, and we will pursue something that's a financial gain. It says, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I can tell you how many people have ruined their marriages because they love money and they were unwilling to admit it. Wives telling their husbands, man, if you just made more money, then we'd be happy. Husbands saying to the wife, man, if you just would get control of your spending habits just a little bit more, then we'd have enough money. Why? Because people are always wanting to focus on the hearts of other people instead of their own hearts. Please don't miss it. It's all about the heart. Goes on and says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Is money the root of all kinds of evil? No. The love of money. There is nothing wrong with money. It's a resource. It's a tool. Is it the root of all evil? No, sin is the root of all evil. It's a root of all kinds of evil. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Don't miss that. So, two extremes that often we don't talk about, and, and sadly, pastors, especially those on television will tell you tell you you give because when you give to God through the church man you're going to be financially blessed maybe you'll be blessed but it's not always financially I love what Chad said last week he said I've never given to God and got up and went out to my front door and seen a big bag of cash on the front porch neither have I 
But there are pastors that preach the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that if you give financially, you will be blessed. And so then our giving comes almost a, a financial lottery where we give because we're greedy. When it's not about the heart. And so that, that's one extreme. Are you blessed? Absolutely, but not always financially. And then there's other pastors that sell, say you got to sell everything and you got to live poorly and you got to have nothing because, you know, this is not your home. And I would say, you know what, you got to be obedient to what God is calling you to be. For some of you, God wants you to make a lot of money, not for yourself, but because he has gifted you and wired you in such a way where it is naturally and he wants you to fund kingdom ministries. How do you know if you're making money for the wrong way? Well, either it is for you or for God. If it's for, for yourself, your, your desires are wrong. If it's for the Lord and you're like, man, if, if, if I took this opportunity next year, I could send 100 more kids to Mexico. And maybe that's something you need to do. It's all about the heart. So what do we do? Let's get super practical here for a moment. In your notes, put God first. Put God first. Now, here's what this looks like in my own life. Um, I asked Chad to share what he does last week because we always want to be transparent as pastors. We never want to ask you to do something that we are unwilling to do ourselves. Again, when it comes to contentment, when it comes to love of money, I'll be the first to admit that I have not arrived. But I want to. I want God to continue to chisel out areas of my life where there's a lack of contentment, where there's, there is a love of money. I want to be godly in every area of my life. So I haven't arrived, I'm on this journey with you, but here's where I'm at when it comes to my giving. And I say this just to be super transparent. Again, not to ask you to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. My wife and I give uh, more than 10% to God through this church. Here's why I'm sold out to Shelter Cove. I, I love this church. First of all, I'm sold out to Jesus, but I love what God's doing here. I love the people here. We are fully invested in so many different ways here at the church. So we give a tithe plus to God through this church. In addition to that, we have a compassion child that we support. Uh, in addition to that, we'll go to Modesto Pregnancy Center fundraiser. Uh, we'll go to Christian Bray's fundraiser, Modesto Gospel Mission, other, other, other fundraisers. And as God leads, we will give to those as well. I've got nieces and nephews that are on the mission, go to missions trips. They go out on the mission field from time to time. We will support them. We try to be generous other times when there's a need. And here's the point, I have never been generous ever and regretted it. I want to say that again. I have never been generous and given to God or blessed somebody else and said, ah, I wish I hadn't done that. And you guys, I've been ghosted by people that I've been generous to. Still haven't regretted it. Why? Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you don't really know that until you experience it. I just, I just know that. I, I've never given and regret it, but there have been times in my life where I've just sensed a little bit of the Lord's just nudging, like, Jeremy, buy their meal. Jeremy, bless that person. And I haven't. And I've regretted it. Don't miss out on opportunities when God is nudging at your heart to be generous. Now let's get super practical in your, on your bulletin on the back. This is what I want to walk you through. There, there's an opportunity for every single one of us. 
And again, this is not what I want from you. This is what I want for you. For some of you, if you're honest with yourself, you don't have a grip on money. Money has a grip on you. And what is your step? Everybody has a step here. There's QR codes at the bottom. First of all, I want to talk about join the journey right here. And, and this is what this looks like. This is where you sign up, click the QR code, and you say, God, I want you to, to be first in my life in the area of finances. And I'm scared, but I'm just going to take a step. And what's that step? That's between you and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord because it's all about the heart. Maybe it's $100 a week. Maybe it's $500 a month. Maybe it's $20 a week. I don't know what it is, but it's about you and the Lord where you say, God, I want to put you first in my finances. And you say, you know what? On a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, it's going to automatically come out of my account. Why? Because we do that with everything that's important in life. Your house automatically comes out. Phone bill automatically comes out. Gym membership automatically comes out. I want to do that with the Lord. If that's where you're already at, and we had like around 100, maybe 150 people do that last year, the next step is, okay, God, I've been doing this for a year. What, what's my increase? God, God, I've been giving you 2%, 3%. I want to up it to 5 or 6%. I've been given $100. I want to up it to $200. I don't know what that is. That's between you and the Lord. What does the Bible talk a lot about, especially in the Old Testament, affirmed by Jesus in the New Testament, is a tithe. This is the one area of Scripture where God says, test me. Malachi chapter 3 in the Old Testament, the only area where God says, test my promise and see if I don't bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Again, not just financial blessing, but blessing in your life. He had said, you're robbing me. They said, where? Tithes and offerings. You're holding on to what ultimately belongs to me. In fact, in the past, we've done a 90-day tithe challenge where I've told people, hey, if you put God first 10%, for 90 days to God through the church and you're not more blessed after 90 days, come see me, I'll give you all your money back. I did that for five, six, seven years. Not one time did I ever have somebody come to me and say, pastor, I wasn't more blessed. But what I have had over the years is so many people come back to me and say, when I stepped out in faith and I gave God 10%, it changed my life. Uh, I, I trusted God. God provided for me. Didn't always provide through me, but he provided for me. Like it, it, it changed my life. Maybe that's where you're at. Tithe plus, maybe that's it. Legacy giving. Maybe you are so blessed and you've just got money, you've inherited money. God's blessed you with an amazing job. And you're like, man, I want to fund some upcoming projects. I want to see the kingdom of, of God expand. I want to see our church have a greater influence. And you want to give money towards that. And you want to see, connect with one of the pastors here and say, hey, how can I use the resources that God has blessed me with to expand the kingdom? Maybe that's you, but everybody has a step of faith. But here's the reality. If you're going to do this, it's going to cost you. Most of us, will not be able to do this without giving up something or some things. In other words, your Starbucks drinks that you get that cost $99.99 now for a cup of coffee, <laughs> you're going to have to give those up. That bean burrito from Taco Bell that's $19 now? <laughs> hey, real talk, the economy inflation is, is increasing. And I love what it says in, in Romans chapter 12, that we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. What's a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something that will cost you. 
Jesus said, you know what, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. So what is it in this season where, where maybe it's been a treat in the past where you're saying, God, my way of worshiping you in this season is I'm going to deny a few areas of my life that, that normally I enjoy, and I'm not going to spend the money in those areas because I want you to be first in every area of my life, especially money. That's going to involve sacrifice. But friends, that's the life of a Christian. Jesus said to follow me, deny self, deny self, deny self. What does our culture say? Indulge yourself. Man, it's going to be a radical change. And here's what's going to happen as you do this. As you deny yourself and put Jesus first in sacrifice, you will find yourself more content and more fulfilled than ever before. You don't believe me? Try it. Try it. Because true contentment and true fulfillment is only possible with Jesus Christ. Two other things. After deciding this, and you can go to the QR code, and boy, if you're married, I encourage you to pray with your spouse and just say, God, what do you want us to do? And whatever God reveals, just do it. Financial Peace University, great opportunity to, to learn how to build a budget, get out of debt, uh, do some strategic planning uh, in, in the future. Some people, one of the questions a lot of people will ask, well, well should I, I give to God if I'm in debt? And, and here's my res response, absolutely. Absolutely. Because often the reason why we're in debt in the first place is that God was not a part of our finances. You want to experience financial freedom in your life? Have God be the priority, and here's what you believe. If you give to God, let's just say 10%, you believe that God can do more with 90% that's blessed than 100% that's not. I want to say that. You, you believe that God can do more with an amount that's blessed than money that you just keep for yourself. But Financial, financial Peace University is awesome. It's encouraging. You're going to experience freedom. You're going to learn how to attack debt. And then also estate planning, long-term planning. Okay, if, if the reality is that we cannot take anything with us to heaven, how are you kingdom-minded with your living trust? Can I help you put that together? What does it mean to, to expand ministry? What does it mean to take care of your family? What does it mean to be proactive with the resources that God has blessed you with? This is the application. Because here's what I know. Information plus application equals transformation. You want your life changed? Not just be honest with your heart, but follow through and do what God is impressing upon your heart. Because we want to be a people that pursue godliness with contentment. And we flee from the love of money. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Because you first loved us. And God, as difficult as a topic as, as this is for so many people to hear, God, when we walk in obedience, it is so freeing. I pray for my friends that we would experience freedom today because we put you first in this area of our lives. God, that we are honest with you about our hearts, but we don't just stop there. We take that step of whatever you want us to do because what you want us to do, we will do because you are not just our Savior. You are our Lord. You are our Master. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
And before I send you out of here so you can go and support our youth, thank you in advance for your willingness to do that. Hey, if you are here today, don't miss this. If you are here today and you are struggling financially so much where you don't know where you're going to get your next meal, you don't know how you're going to feed your kids, go see James Bailey and talk to him. And we will see what we can do to help you. All right? God bless you guys. Love you.